Learn the most advanced recruiting techniques. Land the most desirable talent. Launch your company towards massive success. This is the Higher Power Radio Show with Rick Gerard. Today, we are talking about taking an honest look at your hiring record. So as we all know, data does not lie, and the success or failure of your hiring is really a direct result of your interview process. So everything from the messaging, the experience from the first contact to the way the interview is conducted determines your hiring outcome. And here's a little tip, guys. It's not about the money. So we're going to talk about a shift in mindset that is needed to understand that people have options and that your company is not as special as you think. You need to stand out. And the way you do this is by providing growth. Today's quote, you have to create a track record of breaking your old mold, or at least other people's idea of what your mold is. Any idea who said that, Mr. David Patterson? I want to say William Hurt. You are, wrong. You are spot on. And I'm Rick Gerard, and welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. Our mission is to help entrepreneurs and hiring managers avoid costly hiring mistakes by identifying specific problem and providing proven tactical solutions to help your company win the right hire. We share insights from top performing entrepreneurs, uh, disruptors, and industry experts like our guest today, Mr. David Patterson. He is the founder and managing director of the Kineta Group and the SAPRecruiter.com. And he's also a trainer and a coach and hosts a huge Facebook recruiting group. So David is a member of Stanford Rose, which is a top 10 ranked worldwide retained search firm, and he is the SAP recruiter. His mission is to help empower your enterprise through hiring rock star talent. David, welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show today. Hey, thank you, Rick, and it's a pleasure to, uh, to, to be on. It's a long introduction, by the way. I have a lot of titles. I, I know, you have way down. too many titles. I had to shim them down. <laughs> Would you like to add a couple more? On the breaker of chains. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the bringer uh, of doom. Yeah. The mother of dragons. <laughs> um, but thank you for having me on. It's a, it's a pleasure. I'm excited to have you. So today we're going to cover why it is important to really dissect your hiring record. It's kind of like your prison record, right? Um, we're going to get an understanding of what success should look like. And then we're going to help you evolve your own unique process into an experience that attracts the right people. Sound good? That sounds perfect. Awesome. Do Let's it. do it. So why is it important that you take an honest look at your hiring record? Uh, because you need to be aware of the pain that you're in. So the, the way I look at it, and actually this actually goes to how to improve your own hiring record and hire the people that you want, uh, there's a thing called habituation. Usually as a manager or a leader, anybody who's ever run a business can, can attest to this. I know I've been there when I first started my business. I had all these dreams and hopes, and I thought everybody I hired would be a superstar. And a couple of years in, I was jaded. And it got to the point where <laughs> you know, I figured, well, if I hire somebody, I, I cross my ears, but well, maybe this guy might work out. And, and that's a problem. And so I think if you take an off of your hiring record and, and you realize that of the last 10 people you've brought on, 20 or whatever it is, how many people were mishires, but even more than that are the ones who stuck. How many, if you had to rehire them, would you actually not? rehire and if they were quit you probably breathe a sigh of relief and for most leaders it's probably a pretty major it's a, probably a majority of the people that you do hire 
you're spot on. It's it's indicative of what ends up happening is a lot of entrepreneurs will essentially hire because they have a need as opposed to hiring the right person. That's 100% right. And yeah. so what happens is that uh, you get used to that reality. So you're, you don't have the emotional leverage needed to radically change your hiring process. I think if you take a, a, an honest look, a real honest look, and, and the effect your hiring has, your leadership career or your company or what have you, that'll provide some of the emotional leverage to start doing things a little bit differently. Of course, we can look at data too, but to start looking at your recruitment process a little bit differently so you can start hiring the people that you want or that, you, that would actually make your company better or boost your leadership career. And you bring up a good point there. I think what ends up happening is we don't put enough thought into that. Everybody kind of thinks, well, you know, hiring is just kind of easy. You just find people, you talk to them, and you think, okay, well, you want to join me? You go, yeah, sure, I need a job, I'll join you. There's really not a whole lot of thought that goes in past that. 100%. And here's the thing is that if you want to hire differently, you have to, I guess you could say, take a risk. You have to drive away the people that you don't want, look at things radically differently. And for a lot of people, that's risk. So if you have to be willing to basically say, look, I've had enough hiring the way I've been hiring, doing it differently. But if you develop that skill set to have that honest discussion with yourself, that actually, and we'll talk about this more later, it's actually something that you can do within your own hiring process as you're trying to sell your product, or in this case, your company as an employer, to a maybe a, a software developer, let's say, or whoever you're trying to hire, trying to sell your product as an employer, to a, a very uh, hot market, and if you're like everybody else, uh, you will have to develop that same skill set to be able to highlight the pain that those candidates or employees are in to then kind of break them out of their life and, and their habituation to get them to take that massive action to go with you as opposed to somebody else. So that's um, in a lot of my, my work in the Kinetic Group, as well as as a trainer, it's one thing I've really, really honed in on the last few years is how to figure out ways to highlight that pain. I know you talk about that a lot as well, Rick, in your own Yeah, team. I sure how do. To, yeah, to highlight, yeah, how to highlight that pain, but you also have to be willing to do that within yourself because you, you otherwise will fall back into the safe method of hiring, which will again produce results like you've always been getting. Let's jump into the data. You know, we're in a data-driven environment. Everybody wants to measure data. What data do I need to look at? Well, uh, you look at your hiring process just like a funnel, just like your, your own sales funnel, just like any other sales funnel you're going you're to be looking at. I'm a CEO as an engineer. Yeah. I don't know what a sales funnel is. For those non-salesy folks, everybody's sales. And if you're not, you should be, uh, or you, you are. But uh, a sales funnel really is just, all the way from the, the person who doesn't have any idea who you are, all the way through your your happy client and beyond. So it's just, it's that funnel that you pull people through as you try to get them to become a customer. It's the same funnel that you're using when you're trying to attract employees to your company. So all right, so we're looking at things your, like what? The amount well, of people interviewed? Well, first, well and even beyond that, you should really should be looking at your total employee market. So if it, within your local area, if you've got, if you recruit software developers and you always have a need for those, we'll find out, okay, map your market. How many software developers are in your area, right? For one, uh, 
in addition, when you do have a search. All right, but we're getting too complex, though. Like, because uh, okay. uh, you know, we are actually like I, I'm totally with you on this one. You're you're spot on. But we're yeah, yeah. if I'm a recruiter, I need to know all this. But if I'm an entrepreneur and I'm looking at my hiring process, I really need to figure out like what is wrong here. Like, let's look at the interview funnel. Get back to that because I sure. think that's really like where where we can add value. So what are we looking at in the interview funnel? Uh, with the interview funnel, and again, I, I still think, look at your, your entire market as well as how many people are coming into your funnel initially. But once people are in, yeah, it's a matter of, it depends on how you have your interview structure, your interview process structured, and if you're using outside recruiters. If you're using outside recruiters, take a look at their data. How many people are they contacting? How many people did they get into maybe initial conversations, right, just to pitch the opportunity? Of those, how many uh, people are getting into a shortlist, meaning whether it might be video interview, phone interview, et cetera. So shortlist is getting them to an interview at your company, right? That's the way I look at it, yes. So usually if you're using a recruiter, it's going to be typically a pre-recorded video interview. It's what we try to do with our clients, uh, as well as all the interview notes, resume, you know. Okay, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say don't do a pre-recorded video interview because I hate those. I think they're a terrible yeah, measure right. of whether or not somebody's good. So this is why we have the show, right? We can agree to disagree. Yeah. You like it, I not so much. When we get to the interview funnel, we're looking at how many people get to the interview and then get through the interview to what to the offer stage. Companies lose people at the offer stage, but they actually lost them a lot further back in the process before they got to the offer stage. Mm-hmm. Candidates will just collect offers just to compare. 100%. It's just like, again, in the interview process, much mm-hmm. like a sales call. So uh, if, you know, and again, if you're an entrepreneur, you'd be familiar with, with you know, being on a sales call. You, you're not just interviewing the potential customer, but they're interviewing you. Same thing with a candidate. And so just like when you have a customer meeting or needs analysis, the customer's coming in, or in this case, the candidate's coming in, uh, and they're looking for options, Right. They want to take an option, this is what you have, and follow it away, along with all the other options that they're looking at. So if you are... And an option would be like the opportunity, right? Yeah, an opportunity, right? Okay. And the option is also staying with your current company as well. So at the end of the day, you want your offer to be accepted. Throughout the process, your job is to get them to eliminate as many options as possible so your company is the only option left that's viable if they want to accomplish what they want to accomplish in essence and i agree with you but it's actually really simple if you think about it it's just really solving that other person's problem or their pain points mm-hmm. all, right. Yeah. all right so and, let's and also find out where, where those pain points are all right so let's get to the data then so if i'm if i'm trying to look at my company i want to know where i'm losing people i mean it really comes down to offers put out that are accepted or rejected and then stick rate those like how long people stay with your company if they're leaving within the first 90 days, you've got an issue. If they're leaving, if they're if you're making a lot of offers and people are not accepting them, you've got a major issue. If people are accepting them, but they're not really the best people, they're somewhat mediocre, then you've got an issue. I mean, there's there's tons of issues that are in here, right? Do you see any other data that should be measured? Yes. Yeah, so uh, you should also be doing, uh, just like exit interviews with candidates that do leave, if they turn down an offer, well, for most people, they say, okay, well, you're dead to me. No, let's get them on the phone and find out, okay, where do we lose you in the process and compare that with your interview notes. Hopefully you're taking good notes and find out, okay, you know, we've had three turn downs and here's what they said, but here's what we heard in the interview. Sometimes yeah. don't say different things of what really happened and you're trying to kind of investigate where things went wrong. 
And so it, sometimes it's hard to figure out, but if you're not taking good interview notes and not doing those uh, exit interviews, if you will, at the end, they won't even know what to look for at all. And you know what? You brought up a good point. You should always keep that door open because people make bad decisions. They might go to a company because they got paid more money and then realize three weeks in that they made the wrong decision and they really wanted to be with you. So you definitely want to keep that door open. All right. You're listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. I'm your host, Rick Gerard. For our podcast listeners, we're going to take a quick educational moment from our sponsors. To find out how healing a person's pain points attracts amazing people to your company, sign up for our passive talent workshops at stridesearch.com. Our guest today is Mr. David Patterson. He's the founder and managing partner of the Kineta Group and the SAP Recruiter. And we are talking about, we're talking about your hiring record and how to analyze it and how to figure it out and how to get it better. So the idea is that we want to get you to first recognize the fact that you have a broken interview process, which most people do. And what data you need to look at. And now we're going to help you fix it. How's that sound, David? Sounds fantastic. Yay. All right, cool. So <laughs> let's talk about how do we fix a broken hiring record? I mean, I, I think I do this and you do this for a lot of your clients, but let's, uh, let's help the audience kind of fix it for themselves. Uh-huh. Where do they start? Well, look, okay. So if, all right, if I were, if I were trying to fix my hiring record, I would look again at my, at my product or my opportunity as a product. It's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a product, and, and I need to first find out what is everybody else hearing? What are all the other companies offering? And they're probably offering ping pong tables, and they're offering, you know, we bring our dog to work on Friday. God, don't do that. All those things. Right? Yeah. What happens is we think, we think it's cool, but what happens is it's, it's like a monkey see, monkey do. Everybody else is doing it, so it's like, hey, me too, me too. And so it ends up becoming a commodity. So if you look at the, the data, so why would someone go to work for you? Ultimately, they go to work for you because they're trying to solve a maybe career wound or a pain or trying to accomplish something. Usually, it's a combination of the two, a dream and a pain. And so I want to find out what are other companies offering, like what, what is the offer that I can maybe juxtapose myself against or offer something different, et cetera. But in addition, in my interview notes, as well as maybe connecting interviews with other software developers in the area, let's say that's your market. I want to be finding out what are some of the common pains that they tend to have. Are they there issues with equity, issues with uh, maybe in that city it's commute, maybe it's you know whatever. Maybe but you know what? Technology. You know what I get a lot though, Dave, and I don't know if you do, but I get almost probably eighty-five to ninety percent of my conversations that I have with people. The number one reason why they're looking for something is because they're limited on growth. They have no place to go. They're not able to do the work that they want to do or something that they're passionate about. They're like, they feel like they're being held down. Do you get that a lot too? Yeah, it's actually one of the most common ones. Well, people want self-actualization. By that, I mean, uh, you know, you're 95 years that really aren't looking for growth. Maybe they don't, but usually the top performers, they want to they all like do. they are being challenged and grow. Yeah. yeah. So growth isn't necessarily meaning uh, just maybe it isn't necessarily meaning promotion. Right. It could be uh, no. taking over a new division, whatever it is, but usually it's that growth. And so, no, but it's uh, also that, that growth is also like very specific to that person. It's really hard to yeah. kind of create a generalized message that's going to draw all those people in. I mean, because you don't know what's going on in that person's life. Well, th- yeah, there's a bit of art and science to it. So it's just like with any product, right? Um, you generally know what your customers like, what they don't like. So, you know, like 75, 80% what the commonalities are, that's science. And then the art is in the interview itself 
being able to draw out that other 20, 25% that is unique to them, just the brush strokes on top. Yeah. And so it's a combination of the two, I think, right? But you have to know what the baseline is for a majority of the people in the industry. That way, at least you have somewhere to start. But if you're an entrepreneur, you should be thinking, look, at if I'm going to hire people, I should be looking to tackle that issue. How is my opportunity going to solve their problem? And it's usually centered in and around growth. Second and third would be the leadership uh, at their current company. There might be some issues there. And then the third usually is somewhere in around the content of the work. But that's kind of tied to growth as well. Well, it's also leadership, right? People go to work for people. And uh, generally speaking, obviously, you provide the growth and direction. Uh, I always say if somebody is looking to, uh, to grow, if somebody can get behind a shooting star, that, that's, a huge, that's a huge plus for a lot of folks who, who want to have that mentorship or want that, 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 that person they can follow behind because that's going to help catapult them to further heights. So a lot of it also comes down to you personally, what, what's been your growth and what's been your, uh, your own growth in the company and the industry, et cetera, and how can that benefit them? as well. And you're doing it from a strategy perspective, really by creating the message, right? Correct. Yeah. The other, the other nice thing that we talked well. about was, was being polarizing. Um, so talk a little bit about that because you had an interesting perspective on being polarizing and the way you attract people. Well, I think being polarizing is just, is just a, a, a type of marketing. So, um, so it's kind of a long example. I know we're going to short on time. Uh, so I'll, I'll make it really, really quick, but just like with any product, or any, any service that's radically different than anybody else, um, you want to create the sort of us against them. You know, we're, we're the mavericks against the entire industry sort of mentality. The way I, I like the example I use is CrossFit. Not now, because it's, it's, it's ubiquitous, but back 20 years ago, no one heard of them, and they, and they, they were such a radically different product. And they went and marketed to suburban moms who were doing think classes. And what they did is they created this environment where they brought these moms in, got them doing squats and deadlifts and feeling like complete badasses. <laughs> and and they yeah. created this tribe of we're better than you because we you know, we do this thing and everybody else is Oh my god, that sounds like CrossFit. Like you invented but CrossFit, didn't CrossFit. you? CrossFit. <laughs> look, I'll tell you, it worked, didn't it? Didn't it? Yeah. And that's when you when you look at new products that are radically different, they decommoditize themselves. And by doing that, they turn off a lot of the market that they probably don't want anyway. But it, but it attracts the ones that, that you want, right? So for me, for example, in my own my own service offering, or when I hire, not I'm not for everybody. If I try to be for everybody, no one's going to want me because I'm like everybody else. I want to be radically different. I'm going to turn off a lot of the market, but I'm going to attract a lot. So when I when I sell when I Boom. screen. I try to repel as much as I attract. Basically, what you're doing is you're, you know your values, who you are as a person, where you are. So your values equal your culture, in essence. Thank you, Dave Kinnear, for that one. Um, and, and essentially, you're not trying to market to everybody. You're trying to market to your avatar, your best customer, the person who's going to thrive with you. 100%. And like I said, that also includes your next best employee. So they're going to want to work for that maverick. They're going to want to work for that person and see things the way they do, which is a little bit slightly off that, you know, nobody else can get some, but you do because you're just like them and, and, you, and you have an environment where they can shine. And that's where I think you've got to, again, look at what everybody else offers and find those commonalities and then try to juxtapose yourself differently against them, right? 
and, and do that first before you go out there with a generic job description like everybody else offering ping pong tables. Because no one really at the end of the day wants that, particularly if everybody else is offering the exact same thing. All right. So when you analyze the data, what should somebody be shooting for? Like what should be the, the benchmark that somebody looks at and goes, okay, my hiring process is working much more effectively than other people because, you know, of X. Every industry is different. So when I, I say what I look for, it can really be radically different other industries. Uh, on an offer ratio, I look for a one-to-one uh, because I don't want to be making an offer unless they are so radically excited about joining my company or my client, right? So on, a, on an offer ratio, one-to-one. But yep. with that said, uh, on an interview-to-offer ratio, I might talk to 10 or 15 or 20 people before I even make an offer because I'm trying to turn away as many people as I'm attracting again. That's the way, that's the number I look at. Others obviously may be different, but again, that's just the way, my, my own style of, of interviewing, if that makes sense. No, I agree. I agree with you. I think, uh, you know, I shoot for, you're going to talk to a lot of people. I, I don't consider an interview until somebody goes on site and interviews with the company. So what we do as recruiters, we're usually, what, the filter, the screeners, we're doing what is saving the time of the hiring manager, right? I, I look at myself as the protector of time for all my hiring managers. So I shoot for like a four to one interview to placement ratio. If I can submit four candidates and get one higher, then then we're successful. Okay. And, and yeah. so for me, when I say interview, I'm taught, so I guess I depend on a little bit different. So for me, an interview is yeah. going to be, okay, we get, it's, it's, a, it's an official phone interview or a video interview or something along Perfect. those lines where there is a back and forth question, answer, question, answer. Um, really quickly, um, just your three quick takeaways because we're, we're running out of time here. Sure. Uh, really, ultimately, if you want to hire the kind of people, if you, don't, if you don't want to be a commodity employer, again, one, you have to be willing to step back and figure out fundamentally in your market, what are the pains, fears, and dreams that drive people in the market? And understand, you know, uh, kind of, again, the 80% commonalities. And to get that 20% of what really brings them in, I know we, we didn't cover this here, but be willing in the interview to ask some pretty hard questions about what's not working with our current environment. And there are, the other options are looking at, because again, you're looking to eliminate options, okay? Uh, number two. Uh, and then last, and last, well, actually that was one and two, uh, I think, um, set back throughout the core area, and then, you know, on the interview, willing to pull those pains out. But third and last, be willing to be polarizing and have, and trying to develop an environment or uh, a culture that's almost like an us against them, because it will attract Especially if you have an actualizing environment, you will tend to attract those people that think differently. There's really high achievers. If you're looking for average one of the mill, that's not going to work for you. 100%. And don't chase shiny objects. We're just about out of time for today's show, David. Thanks so much for your time investment today. Now, what's the best way for members of our community to reach you? Well, it depends on what they're looking to do. If they're looking to hire uh, for SAP, you can find me at thesaprecruiter.com. And if you are a recruiter, uh, or really more like a search firm owner, you can find me on our Facebook group, the Headhunter and Executive Recruiter Community, also known especially as Herc. Every once in a while, I drop my... Yeah. So I want to thank our listening audience for tuning into this week's episode of Higher Power. A quick thanks to our team, our engineer, Paul Roberts, our producers, Andrea Ballin, Shanti Ryle, and Ayla Gerard. If you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe, review, and share. We are listening. We love your feedback. And after all, this show is for you. So keep it coming. You can join the Higher Power Radio community at Higher. That's H-I-R-E, Power, P-O-W-E-R, 
radio, R-A-D-I-O.com, or you can drop me an email at rick at stridesearch.com to learn about our passive talent webinars and workshops. Tune in next week. We have a surprise guest for you. I'm not going to say who it is. I'm your host, Rick Girard, and you have been listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. Aloha. Thank you for listening to Higher Power with Rick Girard on OC Talk Radio.